0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, an entertaining, fresh take on the three time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, The CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host Jason Sunkel. Featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots, to the NBA. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Motor City Hoop Show. On today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, Aaron Kellerstrass from Pistons Powered. We'll take a deeper dive into a few of his articles about the Pistons, including his five-step offseason plan and the extension given to Dwayne Casey. Then, as always, we will go around the NBA, looking at the upcoming play-in games, what we are both watching for during the playoffs, and get Aaron's take on the MVP and Rookie of the Year races. But really, before we get started, Aaron, I just want to thank you. I want to welcome you pistonspowered.com if you haven't checked it out you need to great articles multiple every day thank you for coming on the show oh thanks for having me man i'm happy to be here Hey, and I, I should have checked that mistake number one. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Was I off there?
2: <laughs> you actually get, did it pretty well. So well done. Okay. Um, right. The all website right. though is piston powered, not pistons powered. Oh gosh, <laughs> gosh
1: dang it! I'm sorry, and I should have known that because I just tried to type it in and it sent me somewhere crazy. And so um, I apologize. Oh, you, you,
2: you nailed my name though. That's the most
1: important thing. Okay, piston powered, piston powered. I'm sorry. I apologize no, for no, that. Man, so, that's all good. Uh, thank you again for joining us. So, Aaron, I know we've talked about this a little bit, and, um, so let's just get into this. Okay, so for our listeners, last week we changed it up a little bit. We're not doing the, with the end of the season coming anyway, we're not going to do the game re- recaps. But before we get to the 3 1 3 and look into some of your piston powered articles, um, what do you, what's your take on Servetus? Like, I, I realize it's end of the year, these games don't mean anything, and we're not seeing some of the other team's best players. But has there been anything that you've seen from him that's been impressive to you?
2: Yeah, I mean I think he's shown that he's a little bit more and can be more offensively than just uh, you know, a guy who catches and shoots three point shots. So I think that's exciting. Just you know, he had a really nice Euro step in transition, um, which kind of shocked me. I wasn't expecting that. I think he looked aggressive, he looked like he belonged. I mean, he's still got a lot of work to do. Yes. I don't know who I really don't know who he's gonna defend, uh would be yep. the biggest issue right now, yeah, particularly. For sure. He looks like he did put on a little bit of strength and muscle this year, but he needs to get bigger and stronger. Um, I think definitely he's one of the guys that would have benefited from a season in the G League uh, this year. Obviously, with things the way they are, he didn't get that chance. But um, it's too bad because I, I do like he's shown flashes. And maybe he can be, you know, down the road, a guy who provides some of the three-point shooting that they need.
1: Absolutely. That's that's exactly kind of how I feel about him. He, For one, he's shown more. Like you said, his off-the-dribble game, like there's been more there than... I don't know if I, I want to say then what we are led to believe, or maybe then the research I've done anyway on him kind of just sounded like a shooter. Um, I think he tries defensively, but you're right. There's just not a really good matchup for him to like stay in front of his man when his man has the ball. So I've seen enough to feel like, Hey, there's a chance in a few years, maybe this guy can contribute. Um, but, but we'll see. So it's, it's been fun to see. It's been nice. Um, that second quarter stretch in the Nuggets game was really cool, but um, we'll see if he'll, it'll carry yeah, over. I mean, I
2: really hope that he plays in this final game. I don't, I yes. don't know how extensive his injury is, or, or maybe they just pulled him because they were afraid he was going to win the game for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he <I> wasn't <laughs> following tape protocol. He was, I think I saw he's questionable, Aaron. I think I saw that yesterday whenever I was scrolling Twitter. Twitter. So we, we may only suit seven. So for our listeners, we're recording this uh, – Early Sunday morning Central Time. Aaron is actually in Ireland, correct? Aaron Ireland. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah so yes, I Yes,
1: so it's it's noon his time, but um, so we we haven't played that final heat game yet. But I think we, there's a legit chance we suit up like seven guys for this game. I yeah. mean, just looking at the injury report. So, um, it's yeah, kinda I think crazy. It's, it's too bad. I would have liked to seen him play more. I mean, it's a shame he really
2: only got you know extended, not even really extended, but even like twenty minutes in the last couple of games there. Um, would have liked to seen maybe a couple of weeks of him, um, you know, to get a better idea of what he can be. But, yeah, it's exciting. I think that half that he had a flashed some potential.
1: For sure. For sure. So let's dive into the three one three here. And the first thing I want to do, um, again, promote PistonPower.com, your five-step off-season plan. If you guys aren't – if you're not following these guys on Twitter, Aaron on Twitter – um, you need to, they, they post something almost every day, multiple times a, they do every day, multiple times a day and just great articles to read. Yeah, I know you put about a Blake Griffin one, um, Piston Power did um, that, that I really liked. So this one was your, your five step off season plan. And we'll just kind of go through this one by one, but you, the, the first step of this was cut the fat. So um, just talk to the listeners about kind of what you're talking about with this.
2: Well, I, I mean, the one thing you can't do is fall in love with your own players, I think. And the Pistons definitely have some guys that have shown a little bit this year. And I think at times fans get a little bit overly excited, but who would, they can probably upgrade. Um, and so guys like Dennis Smith Jr., Magruder, Wayne Ellington, Corey Joseph, um, Okafor, although he's as a third center. I mean, he can at least get get buckets. Um, and he's not making much money. Um, Josh Jackson would be another guy I would throw on that list. Um, I'm, I'm not as high on him as some others are, and I think if they, they re signed Hamadou uh, Diallo, obviously those two were kind of redundant, so they could maybe be, maybe get something for him. Um, he's shown enough. So I think just not kind of letting all those guys just walk. You know, I mean, I think they'd all serve their purpose, and all of them played well at times this year and did what they were asked to do. Um, in the case of Wayne Ellington, quite a lot more than probably ever thought he was going to be doing. Um, but yeah, in, in the future they can upgrade from all of those guys. And if they want to make a jump, you know, into the playoff conversation next season, they need to, because they're you know, they don't have a lot of depth and they need some more veterans who can play.
1: So before we continue, because I think this kind of lends itself to how we this conversation goes with some of these things. Do you see them in the playoff play-in game next year? Because my host vlad moldovanu who who's playing in the playoffs right now in romania wasn't able to join us today i think we both I think we both feel like we're in the minority with Pistons fans. And we do think, which is the next step, we'll get there in a second, if we nail the NBA draft and some of this offseason plan, we feel like we can get to the play-in game next year. And we don't don't think we're delusional. Do you agree or or you're out on that? Absolutely. I mean, look at the play-in game this year. (laughs) It's not like you have to be
2: great to make it into that conversation. The Pacers are 10th right now and they have 33 wins, you know, and they're five under – 500 so it's not as if we're talking about making a huge leap here the Pistons won 20 games this year and we're in a lot more you know and and with a little bit more seasoning and, a, and another veteran reliable scorer they could have won a lot of those games so I think there's a, every possibility that they're in the conversation for at least a play-in game next year I see no reason why not and um, you know if you look a little bit at the stats this year they've, they've had been impressive in some areas. You know, the Pistons are 10th in the NBA in points allowed. Um, And if you look at the nine teams in front of them, they're the nine best teams in the NBA. So it's this is a team that's really good defensively already for what they are, especially considering they're running with so many young guys and different lineups every night. Um, So, I mean, I think that's exciting in itself. And if they can add another reliable scorer... I see right. no reason why they can't make that jump, at least up into the conversation for the play-in game, sure.
1: Absolutely, and that's why I think a lot of people look at 20 wins and like, oh, they only won 20 games, they're going to improve. But how many games... Hey, but how many games did we not try to win? Especially yeah. here at the end of the year. You know, how many games has Jeremy Grant not played that he probably yeah. would be? I, I know they're I know they put stuff on the injury report, and I'm not saying these guys aren't banged up, but if we're fighting for a playing game, they're playing. And
2: 100 percent. I mean Jeremy Grant is the biggest example. There's no way he'd be out right now if the Pistons were trying to win. Um which I think is a little bit of a shame. I'm, I'm glad they ended up where they are, but I would have liked to seen him finish out the season, given the way he played, and at least get a chance to, to, to win the most improved player award, uh, which he clearly won't uh, now. But, um, yeah, that's a little bit of a shame.
1: Yeah, and and you brought up a good point with continuity, and it, it's hard to get that one. I, I don't think we're going to be playing 12, 13 guys. Like, even in games we were, quote-unquote, trying to win during the middle of the year, you know, everybody. I always kind of laugh, and we don't have to get into Seku, but people get so mad about Sekou not playing or this guy not playing. I'm like, Dwayne Casey's playing 12 guys. <laughs> like, you, you look at some NBA games or box scores, and only eight guys play. Like, to me, the ideal rotation probably has nine, with other guys who can fill in when necessary. He's playing 12, and we're still finding a reason to complain. Like. Continuity, chemistry in the lineups is also going to win you another two or three. Like you just, there's so many different scenarios I think and factors that can win you another two or three games.
2: Sure, and then, again, they don't have to be a top team to be in the play-in discussion. You're still probably looking exactly. at of team team with a losing record, yes, um, a team with a lot of flaws. But I mean, I think. It, they can definitely make that jump, especially when you look at it, say like a team like the Knicks, the the jump they made largely behind defense and, you know, the improvement of Julius Randall. But I mean, if they got another player who could score to go along with Jeremy Grant, say, you know, someone in the draft or, you know, a mid-level free agent of some kind, I absolutely think they can make that jump because they're going to get some improvement from everyone else. Killian Hayes will be hopefully healthy and, um, I think it's exciting prospect. You know, I don't think that we're going to have to endure another season like this. That's for sure. Agreed.
1: Agreed. Agreed. So before we move to the NBA draft, just to finish off the, the step one between Joseph D and I agree, I, I really do agree with you, Aaron, on, on most of these. Um, I, I would like to see J- Josh Jackson come back just because of his contract. I do agree with the homie di I'll, I'd just like to see them fight it out next year on the court for which one we keep. But uh, of those guys, we you kind of listed Joseph, DSJ, Magruder, Ellington, JJ, and Okafor. Which one would you like to see? Like, if you is, well, is there I one mean, Jackson,
2: that you would... like? You said Jackson really is the one that you bring back because he's only making like five million next season, and he produced. So, I mean, as a bench player, I don't you know he can come in and and have big games, and so I'm not against keeping him. And like you said, also the competition is not a bad thing. Um, for him and Diallo to have to fight it out for minutes and you know, maybe they can play together. I don't
1: know. Um, if one of them starts, if one of them can learn how to shoot, <laughs> No, and that- um, that that's the thing right like if one of them can start making threes consistently then the floor spacing issue becomes i like their lineup versatility and defensively rebounding all that but it, it definitely causes some problems offensively yeah
2: i mean i probably wouldn't bring back any of those
0: guys if i <laughs>
2: if i had my choice um i mean Corey joseph i think one of the reasons why they traded for him was to get extra cap space because letting him walk you know he if they don't guarantee his deal which would be like 12.5 million yeah. that's not yeah there's happening. no way absolutely so, not yeah so they're probably going to pay him to leave, um, Dennis Smith Jr. Again, you know his qualifying offer is going to be like seven and a half million. I think they, they can't much, pay yeah. him that. Um, no. Magruder, if they 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 don't, if I think they can cut him in July and not have to pay him at all, so that's definitely happening. Oh, okay, um, Ellington, I think has played well enough that he'll definitely get a look from a good team. Um, uh, he, you know, he shot six threes a game and hit forty two percent of them. There aren't that many guys who did that, so somebody's going to give him some money. It's not going to be the Pistons. Um, and again, Okafor, he is—he's already on. So as a third center, it doesn't—he doesn't really move the needle one way or the other. Um, I, I think Josh Jackson's the guy who really could play himself into being a really good trade um, potential, and the Pistons might be able to grab a first-round pick for him at the deadline next season. So, um, not, even for that purpose, if they couldn't find anything for him in the off season, I'd say keeping him—you know—it's a good risk.
1: Real quick before I know I keep putting this off, but did it did it surprise you we didn't trade Wayne Ellington at the deadline? A deadline because I mean, like you say, a forty percent three point shooter, a guy that can can come off the bench for a, you know a playoff team. Like to me, yeah. it just made sense. It did. I think when he
2: got he got hurt not long before, and I think that kind of screwed things up a bit. Yeah, that did surprise me, to be honest. I didn't see a whole lot of benefit in bringing him back. But then again, I'm not in the locker room. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that he's been a valuable veteran for sort of presence there um, this season. And, you know, he's done a good job. So, I mean, I think I was surprised. Yeah. But also didn't really care i mean what were they going to get for him maybe i think that was kind of exactly it was going to be like a late second round pick at best and for sure we already had three (laughs) yeah and in the end fans overvalue those i mean there aren't that many second round draft picks contributing in the nba and you can always get second round picks there's a million ways to get them so uh yeah i wasn't too concerned about it either way
1: i just thought it was interesting um But I think I did read an article somewhere that said maybe we teams thought we were just gonna buy him out, and so they're like, "Oh, we'll just wait for him to buy him out, and then we'll go find, you know, get him in the buyout market." And I I I don't know. We'll we'll get to the shooting part whenever we get to a couple of these other steps. So let's go ahead and get to the NBA draft. Um, You know, we're close by the end of tonight. um, By the time this episode comes out, we'll at least know our odds, right? We won't know where we're gonna draft, but we're gonna know our odds. Um, probably pretty likely that we're going to end up with the second worst record in the league, which would put us a 14% chance at the number one. We could fall all the way to number six, I believe if we end up there. So, um, obviously this, (laughs) which
2: which is almost certainly what will happen. I know, you
1: know, this is, so this is crazy to me, Aaron. And like, um, I've, being completely transparent, I didn't grow up in Detroit. I didn't grow up a Pistons fan. I grew up a basketball fan, a fan of the NBA, and then have kinda jumped onto the bandwagon here as we've started this podcast and all that. So this this Pistons fans like just Certainty that we're going to get screwed in the lottery is so crazy to me. And I keep trying to tell people, just like, have faith. Like, it's going to work out. It's our chance. You know, like, we're due. The Pistons are due. And I don't think anybody's taking is believing that for a second.
2: No. I mean, I'm, it, it, fortunately, it'd be just like the Pistons to get the sixth pick in a five-person draft, <laughs> you know. I mean, like, it, it's just been their luck. And even the year they've, they've never moved up with their own pick. The year they did move up was the year they drafted Darko. Yeah. Instead of, you know, Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade or or Chris (laughs) Bosh. So, yeah, the Pistons draft luck of late has not been great. But I also think, you know, it is what it is. It's just statistics. So, I mean, it's not as if there's any, I mean, I don't really believe in luck. It's just more like make the right pick when you get it. That's the key. And I do think that the thing that kind of separates this season is that there are some really good players that everybody kind of agrees are good. You know, last season you couldn't even really make a can get a consensus top two um, you know this year it's sort of like you've got five guys who are legit um and maybe five more beyond that that are really really good so i i think you know getting a top pick in this one is a little bit more paramount um so yeah i'm crossing my fingers you know
1: what so what what would nail the draft for you look like like I, again I, I said all that to say i know you i, I know you can't i mean Cade is nailing the draft i get that but we may not get that choice i, I yeah i don't i think it's
2: just the easiest answer you is just make the right pick. I mean, pick the best guy for whatever pick you have, you know? I mean, and I do think I have more faith that Troy Weaver is going to get that done than I have had in a long time, you know? Like, I had no faith in Stan Van Gundy, um, you know, who proved why you don't let your coach be the GM because he's just picking for, like, what he needs to maybe win four more games,
1: <laughs> you know?
2: Not, and, not yeah. long-term. Yeah, not thinking about, like, four years from now. Hey, Luke Kennard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, so I think nailing it is just getting the best player available for whatever spot you're in. So I am you know, I'm pretty high. I can talk myself into just about any of these top five guys. And if they end up with, you know, Suggs, Green, Cade, Mobley, I'm I'm gonna be really happy. So um, I think as long as nailing the draft just means making the right pick. I mean I, I do think Troy Weaver has a little bit of the wildcard potential in him to absolutely. be like I'm smarter than all of you and I'm <laughs> yes. going to take someone else um, because and I could see that and if he does that I'll trust that he knows the guy who the guy is you know like if he took someone and said like I don't think Jonathan Kuminga is the guy for us and I'm going to take you know whatever book night well, or yeah I say there's M- a lot of M- book M- night talk lately. Yeah, yeah yeah one of those guys um, I could see him doing that too especially if they don't end up in the top three I mean I think if I think if it's top two it's Cade and Mobley absolutely um, but beyond that, I think it's up for grabs. I think there are a lot of guys he could take.
1: I agree. That's uh, it's funny you said that because I could see that too. Like I think it's I think at one he would surprise everybody, and I think he would take Evan Mobley. Like that's just my opinion of what Troy Weaver would do. It's not what I would do, but I think he would. I think there's a lot of people who would.
2: I mean, I think yeah. he, you can find you know a strong argument that he's going to be a better player. But I, sure. I don't know. I don't you watch college Cade basketball. No? I, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, sure. so I mostly am watching highlights and then you know tournament games. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you draft for fit when you when you won won twenty games. So I think they whoever he thinks the best player is is who you take. So I trust that he knows better than I do. Um, I think though, Cade is just for where the game is a six foot eight point guard who can shoot threes and you know that's that's too much to pass on you know he could be he could be a you know Luka type talent and you know I think he's the guy
1: the three-point shooting is what is undervalued in my opinion with for people with Kate Cunningham it's like oh well he's not this he's not that he doesn't play a lot of defense like like you said he's 6'8 nobody ever questions his ability to pass the ball handle the ball playoff screen and roll, all that stuff. But I'm like, he also shot over 40% from three, you know, and I'm sure he was taking tough ones. I'm like you, I, I'm i in the middle of my high school season trying to watch Pistons games. So I didn't honestly really didn't get to watch a ton of college games live. So I just default to some of these draft guys I follow on Twitter and, you know, pick their brains to kind of come up, combine all their thoughts. To And I think Cade's definitely one. Um, I just think, I think we like to overthink it. Yeah, um, and as of course, like it,
2: it, it provides a lot of fodder for content for sites like mine. So I'm happy to talk about it and to argue all the different points. But for me, he just seems like a guy who could be a generational type talent. And you know, maybe Jalen Green is as well. A lot of people are high on him. So, it's, yep. you know, I do think if they can get in the top three or four guys, they're in pretty good shape. Absolutely, so I, I think that's the exciting part of this draft. As long as they don't completely get screwed and, and drop down to six, then they're going to get a good player. And I do trust that Troy Weaver will pick the right one.
1: Absolutely. So as we move to the next step, so this would be step three, and you said caution with restricted free agents. So what were you talking about there? Because I, I have one, and I think, I think, Aaron, we like the same guy in the like, the same possibility, yeah. but what, what, what were you thinking there when you say caution well, and
2: restricted free agency? Restricted free agency is – it's tough. I mean, and, and you don't, a lot of, not a lot of players get taken in it, you know, really, because it's tough to, it ties up your your cap while you're waiting, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of reasons, but, um, and also you you have to kind of overpay because a lot of these good guys that their teams want to retain. And so it, it, if to get them, you're going to have to maybe offer a little bit more than someone else's. So, I mean, I think when you, when I say be cautious, don't, don't overpay for someone just to get a guy and the Pistons have been notorious for doing that. Over the years, over and over again, taking guys and paying them too much. You know, I could go on and on. Ben Gordon, you know, Charlie Villanueva are the ones that immediately come to mind. But um, yeah, just be cautious. If you can get a guy on a good deal and a guy you like, and you know, who's maybe whose team isn't going to try to re-sign him. I mean, I write, I write for the Pelicans. I cover the Pelicans as well. Okay, Pelican. yeah, that's right. Sure. On Pelican debris, so I've watched quite a lot of Josh Hart. Um, I really love him. I think he really fits the mold of what the Pistons are building right now and would be one of those guys like Jeremy Grant who could really blow up in an expanded role. He's right about the right age. he's in his prime. The question is, this is why I say caution. Do they want to pay him like 18 million dollars a year? <laughs> you know And the answer to that is no, of course not. but if they could get him for 10 to 12, maybe there's some interest there. I don't know. So I mean I you know definitely be cautious. Don't overpay for a guy. The Pistons aren't say a year or two away from being a title contender. So there's no reason to go all in. But I think if you can get a good deal, you go for it. And I love Josh Hart.
1: Exactly. I'm I'm feel the same way. When you said 18 million, I'm like oh, no no no. And like and immediately in my head I said if we get Josh Hart for 10 million, I'd be all in on that deal because he he does he's such a good rebounder. He. I think he's a good shooter, not great shooter, but he's a solid shooter. He can be Um, better.
2: That's the area he really has to improve because I, you know, defensively he's pretty good and he can defend up, which I love. Um, He's really probably the best guard rebounder in the NBA. He really goes after it, which I love. Um, But yeah, he can, he's just not consistent, especially on corner threes. A guy just, if he could hit those, he, he would be getting 18 million a year. Um, But I think, He's, it's going to be tough for the Pelicans to keep him, um, considering they've got Lonzo Ball and a couple other guys up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. If the Pistons wanted him, they could probably get him. Because if they made an offer on him early, the Pelicans are going to be busy with Lonzo. Um, so he's a guy I'd, I'm, I'm interested in at the right price for sure
1: and he's another Villanova guy and we've seen him with with Sadiq Bey and my favorite guy in the draft is Jeremiah Robinson like I love Villanova so the joke the joke on the show so Villanova ended my college career that we played them in the (laughs) first round of the NCAA tournament they went to the final four that year we were actually winning at half and then we ended up losing and so that was my last competitive basketball game was against Jay Wright and Villanova so like I have a it, it it cuts my heart a little bit to say this as much as I do, but they run a great program and they develop yeah. great. I mean, they develop great college players, but they develop great pros as well. So. Yeah, they
2: come. They seem to come into the NBA ready to to play absolutely and, and defensively and physically as well. I think that's what's been impressive. So I'm with you. I I, I really like what they're doing there, and I think you know, it, considering sort of the vision Troy Weaver seems to have, which is to build around versatile defenders yeah. first. He makes um, sense. I, yeah, he does make sense. But we'll see. Like I said, it really depends on what kind of contract he gets offered.
1: So as we continue in free agency, you said unrestricted free agency, some low-cost veterans. You brought up Nerlens Noel as a shot blocker. You brought up um, a shooter, which I think would be huge for this team. I think floor spacing and some of that stuff is a major issue. Um, what, what were you thinking there in terms of unrestricted free agency? They're not
2: going to have a lot of cap space, um, if any. It really depends on what they do with their own guys. I think they can maybe – piece together like a 10 to 12 million slot. So, I mean, if they went, this is why I said like a guy like Josh Hart, if they could get him. Um, But yeah, unrestricted free agents, they're not going to have a lot of money. And when I say New Orleans Noel, he's probably now going to get a better deal because he, and probably with, I would imagine the Knicks will try to keep him, but uh, because he's played really well for them. He's a guy that I've, I've been promoting for (laughs) several seasons now because just he's really efficiently defensively and doesn't make much money. So, and when I said him, more like a guy in his veins, sure, a, sure. a rim, a rim protector, a third, you know, I Okafor is a guy who I love to to switch out for somebody who just blocks shots, you know, because I think you know that's more important than being able to get post buckets, you know. Okafer would have been great; he would have been a perennial all star in the nineties. Yep. Um, but now, where we need more defensively from the bigs, uh, I'd rather have a shot blocker there for somebody like that, and if they could get somebody who could shoot. um that's a place maybe they can find someone in the second round of the draft but and somebody else who can shoot maybe even Wayne Ellington bringing him back i don't yeah, know no
1: for sure yeah but
2: in, anyone because that, right now they are just awful from from three point range and they really it it really stunts their offense
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I would say floor spacing is an issue. And the, the thing is, I almost feel like you have to stagger Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay's minutes because like, you need one of them to play with the second unit to provide some of that shooting. Um, I mean, the one guy, as we move into the final step, was don't overpay our own guys. The one guy, like, I really hope we do bring him back. So I'm interested to see what you think that has shot the ball well has been Frank Jackson. Um you know, I love like
2: Frank Jackson. Like I said, I, I, I cover the Pelicans as well, so I followed his career uh, yeah, yeah. from, from okay. the beginning. And I have always loved him. And I was actually thought the Pelicans should have re signed him. And I thought they were crazy not to, considering he he got a two way contract. I mean, you basically could have just had him for nothing. Um, this is a team now that is just decimated with injuries and has no bench scoring, and, the, and they could have used him. But. I don't think anyone really predicted that he would, his three point shooting would improve so much. And I think that's something he obviously really worked on. I saw an article where Dwayne Casey talked about the work he'd put in um, on his shooting. And I think that was always the knock on him was that he was so streaky. Um, But yeah, he's hit 40% of his three point shots off the bench and he's just really been sort of like instant offense, you know, comes in and he changes the game and um, you know, I've gotten dragged by Pelicans fans a million times for per se, and they should have kept him, but I, I like him, and I think he's a guy who, if you can get him on a on a minimum deal, um, go for it. You know, he he's shown that he can score off the bench, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I like him. The, the shooting is interesting because he did make a major jump, and I do think it's a large enough sample size. You can't say it's just you know it's not realistic um, in the way Hamid Diallo's three point percentage is with right. the Pistons. Like, there's not enough games and shots to really say, sure. hey, this is who he is now, but. I'm interested to see if there's a little bit of regression to the mean with Frank Jackson next year. Like, does all of a sudden he fall back to at least a 37% three-point shooter? Because I do think that starts yeah. to change things. Him above 40% is huge He didn't shoot team. a
2: ton of them, but if you look at sort of, you know, a lot of his numbers are skewed because he didn't play all that much in the first half of the season. So if you look at just really the second half of the season, he's shot a fairly high volume. Um, mostly off the bench. And I think if he's going to do that, he has a place in the league because he's big enough to defend both guard spots adequately. He can penetrate um, and just, and like I said, he can provide some instant offense. And if you can, if he's going to shoot like that, um, he'll get paid by someone. I don't know who it's going to be, but (laughs) Um, I don't think he should be a guy you give too much to though. Um, I like his potential as a low cost contributor, but if he's not that, then, you know, fairly well. For sure.
1: And then last before you mentioned Dwayne Casey. I want to get into his extension in just a second. But what about Saban Lee? I know um, you brought him up specifically during this part of the article as well. I think he has definitely been one
2: of the biggest surprises of the season because this is a guy who everyone thought was a reach as a second round draft pick. (laughs) So and then a reach to get any kind of contract, and then he got a two-way deal. And, you know, you gotta say the guy made the most of it. You know, he really Show that he can play point guard. Can he shoot? I mean, he's another guy. I don't know. I see a lot of redundancy maybe with him and Frank Jackson. But sure. Um, so I don't know if they're going to keep them both. But sapently they might be able to get on a two-way deal again next year. And if they can, and just put him in the G League, let him develop. That'd be great because he's Absolutely. really athletic, and I like his defense. Uh, his you know dribble penetrations there. So if he can pick up a little bit more range on his on his shot um
1: definitely he could be
2: a backup point guard in this
1: league absolutely that's what i agree with that 100 keep him on a two-way let him go play in the g league develop his game some more and you know in in two years maybe he, he's ready for a contract that puts him in like that you know solidifies him as the second unit point guard so yeah i think that's definitely possible and i think you know he
2: and killian played pretty well together down the stretch yeah, there and yeah. um, playing killian off the ball some which i really liked so i think He's been a a nice surprise. And I think, again, it goes back to Troy Weaver. I mean, this guy really (laughs) seems to have an eye for talent and sort of no one seeing guys that are overlooked. Yes. um, Time and time again, just about every guy he's brought in has uh, outplayed their sort of prediction or their ceiling that everyone thought they had, you know.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's, it, it's exciting to have a GM that can do that. But, um, you know, speaking of a GM making a move, I'm sure he was part of this. So, Dwayne Casey. So, real quick here um, before we get go around the NBA, Aaron um, – Dwayne Casey gets an extension. What what were your thoughts on this? I, it was honestly, for me, it was better received by Twitter and Pistons fans than I thought it was going to be. I thought Twitter was going to blow up. There obviously was some naysayers. What what did you think of that? What did you think of the extension in general?
2: I think it, I, I really liked it. I thought it was the right move to make. And I do think you're right that had you pulled Pistons fans maybe coming into this season, it, that the idea of extending Dwayne Casey would not have been popular. Um, but he has done a really good job. I mean, I don't think you can, you can really find fault with what he's done this season. He's for what he was asked to do, which is to sort of guide this young developing team. Um, he made players earn minutes. He, every single guy got better. I mean, I really don't think you can find a player who didn't get better this season. And ultimately what more can you ask for from a coach? I think we give coaches way too much, not to, not enough credit a lot of times, but way too much blame for when things go wrong. Um, and, you know, of course there were some naysayers and there's always these people who are just so focused on titles and, you know, <laughs> to the point where it's like um. there's really only like five players and coaches in the history of the game that meet their standards for what yep. a good coach or player is. Because it's yep. like, oh, if you didn't win six rings, you're a bum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. And so I do think that most of the narrative came around the fact that, you know, he's, he didn't win in the – I mean, he did win in the playoffs, but he didn't win a title. Um, with Toronto. And then of course they did the next year, but I mean, my God, just people look at the, what happened, you know, the, the addition of Kawhi Leonard and the subtraction of LeBron James had a kind of lot to do with that. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Um, you know, so I think people give, we, the the coaches become the scapegoats always and don't get enough credit for when they've done a good job. And I think Casey has done a great job this year. Um, he's managed to get all of these guys minutes somehow. Um, you know, worked in these veteran players who sort of showed these young guys that they had to earn minutes and maybe showed them how to play the game a little bit. And you know, still was able to get really good development out of all the rookies and all the young players. So yeah, I was happy with it. The Pistons probably aren't going to be a you know title contender, and even if they were, I'm happy with him coaching. The guy showed that he he's got a track record of winning. You know, he had a very similar sort of trajectory in in Toronto where he took over a young team that wasn't very good and. You know, had mixed in some veterans and then within a couple of years had him in the playoffs and then in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, LeBron James was there. So good luck with that, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, you know, I think he's shown that he can win and I'm happy with him as the coach. And I hope that the Pistons get good while he's there so that he can help maybe get some of those demons off his back or, you know, that are kind of unfairly put there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree that I, I love that we're giving him a chance to grow with this team after he's gone through the last two years, um, you know, through this yeah, rebuild. Yeah, because this couldn't all... have
2: been a fun team to coach no. last season, especially the beginning of this one where you have yeah. Blake, Blake Griffin yeah. lo- loafing around and unhappy, um, you know, Derek Rose, who who still played hard, but obviously would have rather been somewhere else. And so... You know, it was a tough team to coach in a lot of ways, and he's done a good job. And I think, you know, they can get good in the next couple of years, and then they'll make another call on him. You know, if he gets them into the playoffs in the next couple of seasons and they win, you know, playoff series or something like that, then I think who knows. Maybe they'll extend him again, and that's not a bad thing. Having a little, you know, continuity and stability is not a bad thing for a team that's had about 800 different coaches in my lifetime um, and really hasn't had any of that kind of stability or sustainable success in so long that, you know, They've lost some credibility.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what you, you bring up a good point. Let him build this. And if in two years it hasn't developed the way you want, then you go find another one. If in three years we're having playoff success, but we think we're a championship team and he hasn't, he quote unquote really isn't a championship quote. I'm with you on that narrative. It's so overblown and just ridiculous. But if he can't get us over the hump, you know, then you fire him and then we're attractive. We and really and, are and attractive to good coaches now. And,
2: yeah. And I could see him basically saying that I I honestly think that this might've just been like, Hey, I only want to, he's, you know, he's not a spring chicken anymore. So it's like, he might just be like, this will be it for me. I'll retire at the end of this contract and you'll be in a good shape to, to hire whoever you want. You'll have a good young team that's heading in the right direction. And I think it's set up perfectly for either, you know, if, if he's successful and wants to stay on great. And if not, it's set up going to be set up really well for the next person. So, Um, I'm, I'm I'm totally happy with it. And I think that it fits in with sort of what Troy Weaver has been doing, which is trying to sort of include the city of Detroit more in the vision of the team. You know, I think that the fact that Jeremy Grant said he wanted to play for a black coach and a black GM and a black city, that is something that is important. And, you know, players care about that stuff now. And I think that having Dwayne Casey there as a well-liked and respected coach is a
1: way that they can bring in and sort of sustain that culture. Absolutely, I I, I agree hundred percent. I'm fine with it. I actually thought it, nothing against Dwayne Casey. Um, I thought I didn't I didn't see him being with this team long term. Um, but I, like you said, like the way he's been able, I loved what he did with Sekou. Like he put Sekou on the bench. Sekou was pouting, and he said, "Go." You know, I don't know. I don't have insider info. To me, that's what it looked like from the outside. I'm going to bench you for a couple weeks. And then look how good, like everybody forgets about that part. Now everybody's loving Saquon and the way he's played and rightfully so he's been playing great, but I'm like, um, do we forget the head coach and what he yeah, did yeah. and the decision he made and everything else? So like, and you, that he's probably been helping him behind the scenes and practice and things. Nobody,
2: so I, I do, yeah. you know, I do think that the coaches often get way too much blame and not enough credit, you know? And again, players win championships. It's like, we've seen it time and time again. It's like, wow, it's just a shocking that these coaches become so great and geniuses when they've suddenly got three of the best players in the league on one team. You know, like, is Steve Nash, like, the greatest coach of all time now because they're winning with Kevin Durant and James Harden, and, you know, Irving? Like, come on. Um, coaches, basically, there just to not screw things up. And, you know, some coaches are can be really bad. I do agree with that. But I do think guys like Dwayne Casey, you know, have proven they can win and he can do it again. So I'm happy with it.
1: Absolutely. So as we talk about the playoffs and championships, let's transition to around the NBA here, Aaron. So this is our chance just to kind of talk some general NBA stuff here for the last probably 15 minutes or so. Um, So just looking at these playoffs, we'll just jump right into the playoffs as a whole. Do you have any prediction surprise what are are you watching closely i know when we were talking pre-show a little bit we talked about this should be a really exciting playoffs so the play-in games aren't even set as we're going into the last day like there's some head-to-head matchups that are going to decide those there's obviously been injuries guys coming back from injuries the bucks narrative can they finally figure it out um the knicks you know all all these different storylines and narratives what which one or two are you really looking at I mean, I think right now the, the most
2: the exciting thing for me is how well this play-in tournament has worked. Perfect, um, right? I was I was kind of against it at first. I just didn't really – I didn't like the idea, especially that the seventh seed had to play their way in. But now it's the way it's set up. <laughs> it's worked out so perfectly that we haven't had a season in the NBA where the final games have mattered like this in a long time. And the fact that we've got two of the the teams I hate the most potentially <laughs> in them – um it's made it even sweeter so i mean the first thing i'm going to be watching is can somebody beat the celtics or lakers and knock them out um that would be sweet um so i'm really happy about the way the play-in is shaking out this season and i hope they keep it uh, i know the players don't particularly like it particularly lebron at the moment but um Yeah, I think it's worked out really well, so that would be the first thing that I would be watching for.
1: Yeah, I mean, today's games, Aaron, Like you're right, it worked out perfectly, because I don't ever remember the last day of the NBA regular season being this, like, so Charlotte, Washington, Indiana are all playing for playoff seeding, the Lakers and the Blazers are playing, whether or not they're going to end up in the play-in game, I mean, they're not playing each other, but, you know, depending on the outcomes, and then the Warriors and Grizzlies play each other today to decide who's eight and nine, which... Understanding the structure of the play-in tournament, there's a huge difference between the eight or the nine because if you're the nine, you have to win two games to get into the playoffs. As an eight seed, you can lose once and then win the second one. So, like, not just the actual play-in games, which I think are going to be fascinating and so much fun to watch, a one-game-and-you're-out scenario. Um, It's kind of got that March Madness feel. But the last regular season day – is just going to be fun, and of course our Pistons and everybody else in the tank race, you know, <laughs> you know, in all of those games. So yeah, I uh, do.
2: I think the play in has really changed how the end of the regular season. It's kind of helped with some of the tanking. Um, it's helped keep some of those teams that are in the middle seeds uh, more active and interested and staying uh, yeah. in the top five or six. You know, so. I think it's really worked out well for the NBA, and so yeah, I'm looking
1: forward to that. So I want to get, I want to get your take on a team we haven't talked about a little while on this we, we, on this show, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I feel like they're I don't want to say they're flying under the radar, but I think because we've seen regular season success and back to back MVPs from Giannis in two straight years, and then lack playoff success, nobody's talking about him a lot. A little bit like the Clippers yeah. in the West, to be honest. So I, I, yeah, I love take the either one of those um,
2: teams. What do you think? the bucks would be the team i would i would pick to come out of the east again i think even though the nets oh, well yeah it's tough I, it, it's <laughs> going to be a really good good playoffs this year i mean the east hasn't been hasn't had this many good teams in a long time and the fact that the celtics who were picked to be you know a team that could potentially make the finals this year are the 7th seed is pretty crazy so i mean the east hasn't been this good in a while so i'm really looking forward to that but i do think the bucks are a team That now have been there a few times. um, And also, the addition of Drew Holiday um, could really make a difference. I mean, that guy is a great defender. Um, He could potentially, you know, lock up one of these guys on the Nets
1: or or whoever they end up meeting. I don't know who they're going to have to play. They're the third seed right now. So, Miami, it's Miami right now. I don't know if that can change. There's a one game between New York, Atlanta, and them. So,. I, I don't yeah, know what so, the tiebreaker scenarios are. I mean, that, that, are. that
2: first matchup, wow, that's going to be a nice first-round series <laughs> right there. <laughs> right? Um, Bucks heat because the Heat are another team, as we saw last year. They're playing well right now. Um, you know, they've won seven of their last ten. So they're another team that could get hot and, you know, potentially – the Bucks, I think, are in an interesting position. They're, on one hand, they have less pressure because they're not the number one seed. They're not – you know, they don't have as much uh, spotlight on them maybe this year as they did last two seasons. Um, but you know they also aren't going to have home court potentially, you know, um, and are going to have to play better teams. So you know, who knows? I think if the Heat won that first game, there's going to be a ton of pressure on the Bucks suddenly. So they, their team, I think the Bucs could 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 absolutely choke and lose their first round series
1: or win the title this season. I think I think both are in play for them you're right like it it, you look at the matchups i i don't know to me the knicks and the and the hawks in a four or five i like the hawks roster what the knicks have done there has i think at least for me and i think most people has taken people by surprise like that's a fun first round you just talked about the bucks heat i think we're going to end up with the well the wizards could like like a wizards whoever first round matchup is intriguing i'm not saying they're going to pull an upset but I just think they're a team that's played really well the last couple months. Bradley Bill can I, I go think, get
2: buckets. Yeah. And I think of all the teams on the, towards the bottom of that could make it in. They're the most dangerous and yeah. the one that no one will want to play because Russell Westbrook is a, oh. is a maniac. And I think his season is being so overlooked. I know a lot of people just think he puts up empty stats or whatever, but Absolutely I, I not. you cannot, he is unbelievable. And like, I do think he could be the best player on the floor in any given game. And so I I don't know – and add Bradley Beal, you know. So I don't think anyone wants to play them in the first round. Um, So I'm sure that, you know, the, the Sixers are probably hoping that the Wizards get beat
1: in the play in these games, you know, and don't have to worry about it. Because that's what's scary. You brought up exactly how I feel about the Wizards. They have two different guys that on a given night could be the best player on the floor, especially against Philly. And even against Brooklyn, I know Brooklyn's star power is just insane, but like Bradley Bill could go he can go get you 50 like what if he just has a you know two game stretch and then you're right like so I stepped outside of my box with the Pistons video breakdowns and I did one of Russ one night and whatever you want to say about it Aaron the sheer energy he ex- he expends to get the rebounds the assists and everything else he does he should get credit just for that and he and it's more than just that but Honestly, the sheer energy
2: I think I've not seen a rebounder like him since Dennis Rodman. I mean, the way he goes after the ball, it's it's fun to watch. It's like (laughs) actually fun to watch him rebound. You cannot say that about too many players. His athleticism still at his age is so unreal. And like, I really love just watching him run around and jump up and go after the ball and just really get it because he wants it more than the other guys do. You know, it was the same with Rodman, you know, a lot of people talked about positioning and his, you know, jumping ability and all this stuff, but a lot of it is, you know, defense and rebounding really just comes down to desire in a lot of cases, and he just wants it more than everyone else, so I, I would love to see, because uh, I think Westbrook doesn't get enough love,
1: and I would love to see them make a run. Absolutely, yeah, that's what, so looking at the West now, and before we go, we have a few minutes here left. Um, I, I still want to get your MVP and Rookie of the Year uh, who you would vote for number one. But l- let's look look at the West real quick. The Jamal Murray injury, I think, shook things up even more. Obviously, the Lakers are the play-in right now. You have the Mavs, Clippers. I mean, the the West is just as crazy, in my opinion, or just as competitive. I don't think the Warriors can make a run, but obviously Steph Curry is dangerous when you talk about dangerous players. what What's kind of a narrative or something you see on the West? It's kind of the same where you could say – even
2: though the Jazz and the Suns have done it all season, I don't think anyone has faith that they're the best teams. <laughs> Agree uh, that they're uh, that they're going to win in the playoffs. A thousand percent. Uh, so, so, but I think that doesn't mean they're not good, you know. Yep. So, I mean, I think that it's interesting that we're going to see these first round matchups potentially, uh, right? <laughs> of, you know, that like could be like Lakers, Suns, and you know, that's it's it's bad bad luck for the Suns, you know. I mean, I, I think all the teams are probably thinking like. Are you cr- Kidding me, LeBron? You had to get hurt in the one year that were like you know the the top seeds, um, and now have to play you in the first round. But I think I, I still think it goes through one of the L.A. teams. Um, you know, the Nuggets. I think what Jokic is doing is unreal. But do they have the depth to get it done? Can Porter Junior sort of be that second second guy um, and step up? I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's 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 going to be a great playoffs. But I do think it's
1: it's still one of the L.A. teams will we'll prevail from the West. I agree that I think the Clippers have flown under the radar for the same reason reason the Bucks have, and, and maybe rightfully so because of the lack of, you know, the postseason meltdown playoff P and all that. There, you well, know. And we
2: tend to focus on the teams that move one, a lot one way or the other this is why the nuggets don't, don't don't usually get a lot of press or love because they're, they're sort of just always there. You know, they're always, they're never great or terrible or at the top or the bottom. So we just get sort of used and take their success for granted, I think, which is probably not not a good thing to do. But yeah, the Clippers have, um they could be a, definitely a team, but I, they're another one like the Bucks that where there's a lot of pressure on them to win, um, and especially with Kawhi's contract, and they you know he could walk, and so I do think that there's a lot of pressure on the Clippers. They're another one of those teams that if I could see them getting getting beat in the first round and then or going to the finals,
1: yeah. Absolutely. So real quick here, Aaron, um, I just want to get your take. We gave our MVP and rookie of the year last episode. Um, just give me your top guy who's, if, if you had a vote for MVP, who would, who would, who would go in the number one line?
2: God, I don't know. I, this is such a, (laughs) this is a really hard season. I mean, if you'd asked me, you know, a couple months ago, I probably would have said LeBron, um, And I do think even with his injury, the fact that they were so terrible without him just shows how valuable he is and how he can take a group of scrubs and turn them into a title contender. He is really the only player in the league who can still do that. I'm sorry. Like, to to everybody else, the the Lakers do not have a good team. Um, (laughs) So I would have taken him. But obviously, he's sort of out of the conversation now, I would say. Um, So I think Jokic... Has got to be the guy. I mean, I think you look at his numbers; it's just unbelievable what he's doing. He's he's and he's just really kind of changed basketball a little bit. I think he's. There are going to be so many big, slow European guys that get a chance because of him. Now, Um, you know, I imagine there'll be a ton of them taking this draft. You know, like some guy like Garza or someone is going to get like is going to get paid because of Jokic. Because uh, what he's doing is just sort of. The only guy I can really think of who was even close was this goes way back as uh, was Arvidas Sabonis, the original Sabonis, who was unbelievable if if you're old enough to remember him, seeing him even play when he played at Portland. But um, if you go back and look at film when he was in Russia, this guy was really would have been one of the best centers of all time had he played his whole career in the NBA because he could do it all, just like Jokic. So. Um, I think he's the vote, but again, there are a lot of other options. I mean, like, it's easy just to say to get you take Giannis for granted, for example. Absolutely. Um, even though he's an unbelievable season once again, um, you know, it's you could definitely, like I said, Chris Paul has gotten some love, although I don't see that. I don't even think he's the best player on his own team, so I'm not sure how he can be the MVP <laughs> of the league. Sure. You know, so yeah, I, I think Jokic, I mean, I do think we overthink it a lot, and I'm I'm usually prone just to go with who I think is the best player. So, like I said, had LeBron not gotten hurt, I think LeBron should have about eight or nine MVPs Absolutely. at this point. Yep. Um, so I would he would get my vote most years if he hadn't gotten hurt. Um, and I think Giannis is an, again, you can easily um, go with him. Obviously, Embiid has had an unbelievable season yes. as well, and the, yeah. the fact that the the that Philly is in the first place that's got to you know have some amount of of weight. So, I don't know. I think it comes down to probably Embiid and, and Jokic, and Jokic edges him
1: out. I agree. That's where I would go as well. And then Rookie of the Year, um, you know, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball. I saw someone even bring up Tyrese Halliburton the other day. Sadiq Bay. I was going to say, for me, it comes down to a two-man race between Sadiq Bey
2: and Isaiah Stewart. There you go. Okay. No. I think, for me, it's LaMelo. You know, if you just look at the difference – he took a team that was middling, and, and and they're gonna probably you know they might end up getting bounced in the play-in, but because they're not playing very well right now. But he was the primary reason the Hornets made a leap into leaving where they are. So I would give it to him because you look at Minnesota; they had on paper more talent, sure, um, sure and yeah. you would have thought. I don't think Minnesota thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in basketball no, this season. not if you look at that so, roster, you're right. Yeah, I mean, he's already playing with with some good some good players. I know they had some injuries and things, but. Um, so I would give LaMelo the nod over Edwards just because of the, the team success. The, you know, LaMelo makes everyone else better. He was fun. I don't know. I mean, I, he did miss time as well, and he has some huge flaws in his game. I mean, watching him try to play defense is – um, I thought he might be a little bit better defensively, but he is not. So I do think – you factor that in, and Edwards gets a little bit more love. But
1: I would give it to Lamelo. Sure, I, I think that's a tough one. I think if Lamelo Ball doesn't get injured, he gets it 100. percent. Yeah, uh, he, I mean, he was really top five in a lot of categories
2: and really showed some superstar potential. And I think that so did Edwards. Um, but Lamelo was doing it more consistently, and like I said, he does more things to make the team better. Absolutely. Um, and, and his playmaking and everything. And it just really, the fact that he brought some excitement back to possibly the most depressing franchise in, in the NBA outside of maybe the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean like, no, as, as you know, as Pistons fans, we got to show some love for the Hornets. Cause they've been a similar type team that has just been like the eighth and ninth seed for so long. And you just get so sick of it, but I'm glad that they're finally, you know, doing well and well, somewhat well. And I'd like to see him kind of, play well in the playoffs and maybe get them somewhere
1: for sure i i, I can't discount any Start, of that for starting sure.
2: starting by beating the celtics that yeah. would be great
1: <laughs> i love this you're gonna have to come back on so um and and we're gonna have to get into this celtics and lakers hate and we can get into my duke hate and all that stuff like we can just <laughs> have one of those episodes um Absolutely. so we'll have you have, have you back on so aaron kelestross thank you so much for joining us piston oh, powered go check out the articles we talked about is five-step offseason plan that he wrote an article about the Dwayne Casey extension new articles I know he just posted one this morning even before we recorded always new stuff make sure you check it out Aaron what where what social media plug your social media right now uh
2: Um, come find us on Twitter piston powered um or you can find me at the buck show or just off of one of my articles just come to pistonpowered.com we'll have tons of new stuff coming out um draft and free agency and all those
1: kind of things coming up so come check it out. All right. Thank you. And you can check out the Motor City Hoops on Twitter, Motor City Hoops show on Instagram, Motor City Hoops on Facebook. Um, give this episode a rating. Give us a comment. Give us some feedback. Subscribe. Tell your friends yeah, about it. Give
2: these, give these guys some love. They do really good um, breakdowns of video as well. So go check them out as well.
1: I appreciate that, Aaron. Thank you again for having us. And we'll talk to you guys next
0: week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.